Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording the show on Saturday, June 25th, 2022, which is just one day after... <sighs> Look, you're all smart people who pay attention to the news, you know what happened yesterday. And I'm betting one of the reasons you sought out this podcast today is you really don't want to hear anything else about that topic. You need a break, and, and Drew and I will try our level best to give you that break today. Before we get started here, I just want to say one thing. There are just 19 weeks between when the show goes live on Tuesday, June 28th, and Election Day, which this year is being held on Tuesday, November 8th. And I know Drew and I have previously asked you to mark your calendars when it comes to release dates for movies, or when books about animation are going to hit store shelves, or when a new holiday special is going to debut on television. This time around, folks, we really need you to circle Tuesday, November 8th on your calendar, because we all need to go to the polls on that day and vote. Every single one of us. No excuses. That's all I have to say about that for now, right, Drew? Or, you know? Yes, we're going to offer, we're going to have a delightful 40 minutes of nonsense that'll get your mind off things. And, there we you go. Know. But, yes, we want to remind you, circle that date, double underline mm-hmm. it. Wherever you are in the country, this is an incredibly important year, as every year is, but especially this especially year. Especially so, this year. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Back to the animation news. And as always, the news portion of today's fine tuning is brought to you by Story Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. On last week's show, which Drew and I recorded on another Saturday, uh, June. 18th, we were talking about the revised box office projections that were coming in at that time for Lightyear. Just to remind you, in the days leading up to the domestic release of Pixar's latest, industry box office experts were predicting that this Angus McLean movie would sell somewhere between what? 85 million worth of tickets. Right there, that was, that was what yeah. we for North America. But by Saturday morning of last week, after tabulating uh, the tickets that were sold for Lightyear on Friday, industry insiders then began revising their box office projections for Pixar's latest downward, suggesting that it would be far more likely over its opening weekend in North America that this Angus McLean movie would do a third less business than had previously been projected. We're talking domestic ticket sales for Lightyear between 51 and 55. And even then, Drew, did you see that it, it came in below that point? I mean, just a hair. No, what was the what was the final? They're tally? they're saying fifty point six million worth of tickets again in North America, and we talked last week about why this might be happening. But what's been interesting is there's been further refinement on that, and and to be honest, some of this is your fault. I mean, you're the big champion of, of Mr. Cruz and Maverick, and. You see, this weekend, it's supposed to go through $500 million domestic. It could be the number one movie in the country again this weekend, Jim. Besting Elvis, which came out this weekend, Jurassic World Mm -hmm. Dominion, and Lightyear. I mean, that's... And The Black Phone, which is another big new um, release from Universal. Well, no, no, you're not wrong. In fact, this past Wednesday and Thursday, which is four weeks after this Joseph Kaczynski movie, it had really come out to... Top Gun Maverick was the number one film in the country for those two days. Um, I, I mean, that's kind of crazy. I, 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 I,
know, blotting out the sun. I mean, that's just crazy. But um, anyway, speaking of which, one of the reasons that Lightyear only did 50.6 million was that in its second weekend at theaters, Jurassic World Dominion did 59 million worth of tickets. And it's... (laughs) You and I have talked uh, pre-game about this. You know, there's nothing I want to see more when I go to a movie that's supposed to be of dinosaurs than giant locusts. Um, I, I, yes. so I'm having a little trouble understanding why it's doing as well as it is, but I guess it's dinosaurs and it's Jurassic Park that rules there. You know, people are going to come out. Did you, did you go see Lightyear finally? And just this afternoon, I finally found the AMC in Wisconsin. It's literally a walk over. So tomorrow, while she's in her last day, Um, but I was looking for at this point, uh, you know, it's, it's off of IMAX screens. And in fact, I guess they've gone back to hoggling back and forth, uh, between and Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. I think next weekend it's like four movies are vying for, you know, it's like every, every other show at the IMAX screen is a different movie, but, um, yeah, I think I'm going to try to see it in IMAX tomorrow, actually, so I hopefully can can report back on how Lightyear looks in IMAX. And I also mm-hmm. want to plug, for anyone that loved the Michael Giacchino score, that there is a vinyl release from Mondo that I did the oh. liner notes for. So go check that. You can put it next to the, the Coco and Up vinyls that I did the liner notes for and have a nice little box set okay. there. Uh, now, but, yeah. I, but again, I've still been trying to kind of wrap my head around what happened with Lightyear. So um, I, I, the gentleman I called, and you've talked to him, Drew, so you, you, you'll know who this is, um, and asked him what he thought. And he basically sort of laid it out to the question of, you know, they pinned a lot of this movie uh, from set up to some unending. Um, you know, the, 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 the young boy we meet in the original Toy Story back in 1995, and more importantly, the kid we saw go off to college after leaving his toys Bonnie in Toy Story 3 uh, back in 2010, so a dozen years ago. And he, he really believes that, you know, it's, we saw this kid exit the series, you know, and, you know, for 12 years now, the toys have belonged to Bonnie. Fact, you know, didn't we just what 2019 we got Toy Story 4 where um, you know the very big deal about we actually leaving Bonnie and going off with Bumpy to take her lost toys. This character left the series, and right. and so the fact that we are supposed to be so concerned about you know oh this is this is the film that Andy watched. And got him so excited about his Buzz like you know, light your action figure. And it's like, hasn't the train left the station? Why would we be concerned about this? You know, um, <laughs> I mean, but that's. I, I get that. I get that. I mean, there's there was so much, you know, kind of Monday morning quarterbacking going on that I'm sure you oh, saw. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and we talked about some of the reasons last mm-hmm. weekend. And it looks like this weekend it's really going to take a precipitous yeah, drop uh, yeah. as well. 
So I was kind of hoping, because I, I think the movie is, is really wonderful and there's so many charming uh, elements to it that I thought it, w- it could kind of be a, a more of a long con, but uh, it looks like it is it is sort of, like, as you said, that they didn't even get the IMAX release they were no. supposed to get. No. You know, there's so much competition no. and uh, people just aren't showing up. And I think that was also a failure uh, kind of of the marketing, that this was an actual... Pixar movie that was made for IMAX, which is the first time that's ever happened. Um, and uh, nobody knew about it. And I don't know. I just think it, I think the marketing is to blame more than anything else, but I don't know. The film that this seems to line up so much with is Cars 3, uh, back in the summer of 2017. In fact, that Brian McPhee movie opened in 4,256 theaters, whereas Lightyear opened. 4,255 theaters. And that one did 53.6 million in North America. So they're they're within spinning distance of one another. In fact, what's interesting is that Cars 3 sold 74.7 million worth of tickets over its first seven days in domestic release, whereas Lightyear sold 71 million. So they're, they're very much on par. Cars 3 went on to earn $152 million in North American theaters and 231 overseas for a worldwide box office of, of $383 million. But really, it got to spend months in theaters. You know, I mean, and the Blu-ray didn't even go on sale till November 17th of that year. And that was five years ago. And yeah. we now live in this streaming service driven, you know, I mean, the windows have changed. I mean, did you see where... Bob's Burgers movie is, I mean, six weeks. Yeah, I think it's, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and Doctor Strange was on this week. Like, it's just crazy um, how quick it is. As someone who remembers, you know, waiting what seemed like five Mm -hmm. years for uh, E.T. Mm -hmm. to come out on on video and 18 months for Jurassic Mm -hmm. Park and all these things. It's like, so, yeah, I wonder if, you know, and I think there is a possibility that it becomes a, a more sizable thing on Disney Plus, well, like we I, saw in Canto. I, I, I wanted right? to be sure we talked about that because I, I, I really believe that's a great observation on your part. To the fact that Bruno didn't become it was big, but it didn't become huge until after it began airing on Disney Plus. And I have to tell you from conversations with with folks on consumer products, they're like, oh, they're supposedly talking with the big boxes about. Please keep the Lightyear stuff out and accessible, because once it hit Disney Plus, this movie will kickstart. That you know, that it'll really happen. Oh, that's so, interesting. But beyond that, I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm sure you saw the story about the '89er theater in Kingfisher, Oklahoma, and the whole notion mm-hmm. of, oh my God, there's a you know, same-sex kiss in this, and we're going to try to fast forward through it, and it's like. You've seen the film, right? You, you've seen The Kiss, which is barely a kiss. Yeah, I mean, people were sharing it on Twitter. If, if you can share it on Twitter, then it is a, it is brief. You know, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. And then you have things like uh, Patric- Patricia Heaton's tweet about, you know, how dare they replace Tim Allen as the voice of, you know, how they effectively have castrated Buzz Lightyear by having Chris Evans as the voice. And I was intrigued that Disney, it was one of those things where it's like, don't respond. You know, don't say anything. Because 
face it, you you need Tim Allen happy because you must have seen the image that came out earlier this week for the Santa Clauses. Well, that's what I thought was so funny about saying like, you know, that you're castrating. Mm-hmm. Tim Allen, not only do you have him coming back yep. for something, but you actually get to see him. So I don't think that that is really that big a thing. And I think that, that the timing of that image, which I know is part of the larger Disney company, is kind of halfway mm-hmm. to Christmas programming, was very pointed and saying, like, we still love mm-hmm. Tim Allen. Here's a new project that he's going to be in. <laughs> but, so. but at the same time, I mean, you got to love how the Internet could even take that and to find a way to bend it and, and twist it back on, on Disney. Cause what they showed the, the two new elves that are helping Santa, uh, uh, Devin bright, who's playing Noel, uh, Santa's right hand elf and Matilda Lawler, who's playing Betty, uh, Santa's chief of staff. But all anyone could talk about is where's David Crumble? Where's Bernard? Yeah. Who's in the original Santa Claus in 94. And then the Santa Claus two in 2002, he didn't wasn't part of Escape Clause in two thousand six, right? I never I've never seen the sequels. Jim, well, you, you've lived a good you. life, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not missing anything, is what you're telling me. What's interesting is that even Freeform won't show Santa Claus two. They will actually step over Santa Claus two. They'll show the original Santa Claus and they'll show Santa Claus three, the Escape Clause. But it's like, no, we're not showing that one. Remember when Santa Claus 2 was supposed to be the escape clause and they even had a trailer for it and everything? And then Yeah, yeah. I mean there was a Wall there was a great Wall Street Journal article about, you know, because think about it, it took them eight years to find a story for the Santa Claus sequel. And when it finally came out, it's like, this, this is the <laughs> eight years. Eight years you labored, and this is what you came up with. <laughs> Listen, Jim, good things I, take time. I, I, well, they needed more time. All right. And, and, <laughs> and speaking of time, it's time for us to take a break here, folks. But when we get back, things are the last backwards on the show. So we just did a featuring news segment. So let's go do a newsy feature. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's summer. We are all looking for interesting things to do this summer. So I wanted to start off by talking up. Have you heard about this making of the Jungle Book thing that, that's at the Walt Disney Family Museum? I have by our friend uh, Andreas Deja kind of curated that's it. That's true. Right? That's true. Just opened this past Thursday, June 23rd, is going to run in the, um, I want to say it's the, the Diane Disney Miller Building. It's a special exhibit space. Andreas guest curated this thing, which is because Andreas is very upfront about the fact that wasn't it when he was a kid in Germany, he saw the Jungle Book and it was like, this is what I want to do with my life or. Yeah, he's talked to me, too, about, um, you know, realizing that that's what character animation Mm -hmm. was, that the panther was a haughty Mm. panther and the tiger was a really nasty tiger. And he said that that's where he kind of learned um how to anthropomorphize 
mm-hmm. animals. And he obviously did that to great effect in The Lion King and other things. And so um, I can't wait to see what he's cobbled together for this. Um, and I think there's actually a book that is being sold there and maybe elsewhere too, right? There is supposed to be a book with the exhibit, though um, I think what's happened, and, and again, you know, you know this from both your, the work you've done on Art of Books. Evidently, they send them off to China to be printed and we're still dealing with the after effects of COVID and what's going on with container ships and that sort of thing. So Amazon, for example, is listing the book as being available. I want to say November 8th and, you know, that got pushed back from, I want an an earlier September date. Maybe the museum uh, has uh, got some early copies. I mean, certainly we can check the online store there, but, um, but yeah, this is definitely on my list for this year because Supposedly, we'll get images of the over 300 rare pieces of art and ephemera that are featured as part of the exhibit. Well, if I if I get up there, Jim, I'll see if the book is there, because obviously I'm still working off my uh, my book that uh, you sent me from the, <laughs> the New York uh, Beauty and the Beast thing, the most expensive uh, a companion book ever. So maybe they maybe they do have them in the in the store up there and I'll be sure to take a look and, and let everybody know. Uh, Speaking of animation-related books, I've been reading Michael Lyons's Drawn to Greatness, Disney's animation Renaissance, which I think I, I was mentioning to, to you, Drew, you know, you know, as we were pre-gaming. It's always a little weird to read a book and then suddenly realize, oh, God, I'm a source. But to give Michael credit, he, for example, pulls info from uh, your wonderful history of Hercules, wasn't it? The, the thing you did for Vanity Fair? It might have been Goofy. Ooh, oh, maybe. Stand corrected. Okay. Yeah. Jim, I've done so many mm. of these things at this point. God knows what it was. But I was I was amazed to see that, they, that he uh, quoted me in that. And, we, and you, you know, you and I were both mm. just quoted in a recent article for the ringer too about the yeah dinosaur. you know i just um, i always that's such a weird moment for me i you know again that, that's like harken back to what is it groucho marks i would never want to belong to a club that would have me as a member it's a notion of you're citing <laughs> me as a source you need better sources but to double back to the jungle book one of the things that that that's especially fascinating to me about this version of, of old-timey show business did you see when the Jungle Book was originally released to theaters? I mean, we are so used to animated features, for example, uh, just what happened to Lightyear. You, know, you, you, you put it out just as the kids are getting out of school in summer blockbuster season, or you release them around Thanksgiving you know, to, to get the holiday thing. Um, Jungle Book was originally released, Drew, on October 18th, 1967. October 18th. That's not even Halloween. I mean, why that date? That's weird. That's very yeah, weird. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Okay. And speaking of release dates, while we know the, the release date of the first uh, Skydance animation project for Apple TV, and that, of course, is Luck, that's dropping on August 5th, we don't yet have a release date for Spellbound, but we do have info about that film's cast. And what what did you make of collection of, uh, of voice talent crew. I mean, it seems very, uh, very prestige very, we need some, we need some heat around mm-hmm. this movie. 
But also, I thought it was interesting that Nathan Lane no. um, is, is back. Yeah, too. it's been a so, while. Should we talk about who who it is Certainly. in this? Okay. So Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem are reuniting from uh, being the Ricardos, and they are kind of leading up this what they say an an. Animated musical that tells a story about a princess on a daring quest to save her family mm-hmm. and kingdom. Uh, so, Kidmore will voice Ellesmere, the kind, just, and hyper-precise queen of Lumbria, alongside Bardem as Solon, the boastful yet big-hearted king. Um, so, Rachel Ziegler uh, is the voice of the lead character, Princess Elion, and then it's... Uh, John Lithgow, which is also interesting, right? Because Zegler is going to be Snow White in the live action yeah, yeah. Disney movie. So. <laughs> I'm sure they were kind of annoyed that Lasseter kind of stole their thunder. But uh, so it's the the rest of the cast includes John Lithgow, Jennifer Lewis, Nathan Lane, Andre De Shields, and Jordan Fisher, who we just heard in uh, Turning Red as one of the members of Four Town. <laughs> Something that they curiously left out of the press release, but you know. <laughs> go figure. Now, it, it, go it's figure. interesting you, you mentioned Javier Bardem because they just dropped the what is it the trailer for Lyle Lyle Crocodile, and mm-hmm. we just you know and he uh, he has a huge role in that you know Hector P Volante the the charismatic owner of Lyle the Crocodile and speaking of of Jordan Fisher and. and no, you know, in regard to modern music, John Mendes is is the voice of our. our By the way, sorry, you cut out there. What was the last oh. thing you said? Um, what did you think of the trailer? Oh, I thought it was cute. I mean, it looks like kind of a stand-in for another Paddington movie. Um, the crocodile looks cute. I think Frame Store did the animation for him. So, yeah, I thought it looked fun. I don't know the story. I, I was never read those books as a child. So are you familiar with the Lyle Lyle? The well, I mean, it's, world? you know, this is children's books from 1965. And my mother was the the children's librarian in Maynard. So, yes, I definitely read Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Okay. They're, they're cute books. Very You know, I mean, you know, for example, the... You know, I mean, really sophisticated. You know, uh, writing here, Drew. The the mean, the evil neighbor is called Mister Grumps. So you know. Oh, I thought you were going to say that Lyle. You know, maybe narrowly escapes uh, political assassination <laughs> or something. But I see that, that's the, that's the other way it could have been very. There we, 60s, there we go. But, no, yeah, no, okay. no, no. At, at yeah. no time did, did this this particular story involve a grassy knoll. Okay. Good. But, okay. But on the other hand, what's kind of interesting is Lyle is kind of. A utility project. It, it wound up being dropped into the October 7th release slot by Sony because uh, they opted to put out uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse to next summer. You know, which is sort of mm-hmm. like, okay, your turn. You know, get the crocodile. Yeah, it seemed to come together very quickly. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, I like the trailer. I, I thought it looked good. What did you think of the Kung Fu Panda Dragon Knight trailer? I thought it looked pretty good. I mean, the animation looked a cut above the kind of like more rubbery Camp Cretaceous mm-hmm. style DreamWorks TV. And I and I from what I understand, this is the first chapter in a in a larger kind of Kung Fu Panda saga. So, you know, it's cool that 
that Jack Black and James Hong mm-hmm. are back. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see it. Did you like the I trailer? I thought it looked good. And we should also mention here that the series debuts uh, in just a couple of weeks on, on July 14th on Netflix. Oh, but I wanted to circle back to something you just said in regard to, you know, uh, Framestorer and Paddington the Bear and that sort of thing. Did you get to see that little film thing that was done for the Queen's Jubilee? No, I heard that Paddington was involved. I think this is when I was on my deathbed a couple of weeks ago. But tell me, tell me about it. Well, you can definitely chase it down on online. It's it's still YouTubed and that sort of. But it was just this charming little bit of animation of Paddington having tea with the Queen and accidentally drinking all of the tea and and but it turns out the queen and paddington share a love for marmalade sandwiches and what was what genuinely made it work was that the queen was game i mean she you know because this is something that she had to sit there and you know at, at a table with an actor and you know they had to capture all of the stuff that they would then go back and put the cg in but, you know, again, it was just this charming little piece. And Paddington thanked her for the Jubilee and thanked her for everything. Just a very sweet little moment. Did you did you see the, the Queen hologram that was driving by? The people I, were waiting I, at? You know, yeah, we, we, we do live in a, a very interesting age, don't we? You know, it's like, oh, okay. Not the real Queen, but a real carriage. And, okay, they're waiting. That's, um, oh, 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 oh uh, speaking of uh, animated Directors, you got to see all of Baymax Submission Point, the series, right? The, the, yes. Which debuts what? Wednesday this week. The yes. Yeah, it's about it's about 30 to 40 minutes of actual new animation, all done by Walt Disney Animation Studios, many of them directed by our friend Dean Wellens oh. um, over at the studio, which is great. And let me tell you, Jim, if people were upset about the gay kiss, mm-hmm. just wait. There is an openly trans character mm-hmm. that you meet during the show. There is an entire episode where Baymax helps out a young girl who is getting her first period. Mm-hmm. And there is a entire another episode that centers around uh, two men, a gay kind of romance. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait for the ultra right to be annoyed. But I thought it was a wonderful series. It kind of builds really beautifully there is a post-credit scene on every episode, so mm-hmm. stick around okay. after the credits. And I just thought it was a lot of fun and just uh, really, really great and great to see Baymax back. And yeah, I just thought it was terrific. So I can't wait to see what people think besides the, you know, the conservatives getting annoyed at everything. But I think you'll really like it, Jim. Oh, well, I'm so glad to hear that. But to double back just for a moment for light year, because again, I have scene book is and it's one of these things where it's like again isn't it it's it's buzz dropping off his former commander at her quarters and it turns out it's what the 40th wedding anniversary or something to that effect yeah right okay so it's it's the kind of kiss you you know when you've been in a relationship that long and you're coming home and it's a family party. It's a drive-by kiss. It's literally, and you know, into the room. Right. I just don't get why that would be the thing that would make people crazy. It's just a kiss, you know, between yeah. people who've been together for 40 years. Isn't that something we should actually celebrate? I would think so. 
it's it's so innocuous and it's it's such an inherent part of who the character is that taking it out it would is just a no an, a non-starter so <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I, I can't. I, anyway, I can't wait. What, we will finally talk about Lightyear next week I, if you can get your butt. I will. To the I, will I, found okay. the, I found the theater again. Not not okay. an IMAX theater, but I, I will see it regular size screen. But in the meantime, again, I would just in a weird sort of way, just thrilled for you about what's going on with with Top Gun Maverick. Uh, and so, speaking of which, obviously, you know, you guys are deep into covering this on Light the Fuse, Light the Fuselage. Yes. What's going on this week with you and Charles uh, over there? I think this, this week we are talking to Kevin LaRosa Jr., who was the aerial photographer mm-hmm. uh, or coordin- aerial coordinator or something. And then uh, we have two episodes with Lauren Balfe, who was the music producer and who did the great music you have heard in the trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Mm-hmm. So Killer, killer. Okay. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. If you're not listening to Drew's podcast, you're, you're missing out on some some great behind the scenes Hollywood stories. Likewise, if you if you're not following Drew on social media, you're also missing out on some some really sharp, funny observations. Drew, can you tell folks where they can find you online? Sure, it is Drew Tailored, uh, like a tailored shirt on Instagram and Twitter. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, come check. Did you see my my Pixar cats appreciation post? I did. I did. And I get almost a million impressions right now. That is insane to me. Oh my god! I you know I I have to tell you I have deliberately been avoiding. Is it Heaven Sale? What is the name of the company that's made the super size socks? Oh, Super Seven. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm. It's free shipping right now, Jim, which makes it even more tempting. (sighs) I can't. I can't. But yeah, the the, the life size socks, which is four hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which is not an easy pill to swallow, but mm-hmm. is movie accurate. What mm-hmm. I love about it, which is what Angus said, is it kind of blurs the line between prop replica mm-hmm. and character, and it's just a it's a beautiful beautiful toy. Um, but yeah, I know I know what you mean, Jim. Don't do this to me. Okay, that's why you want the, you want to hold them. You, you get to see. Stuff like that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at Jim Hill Media or over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Nancy would also like me to remind you we got some other podcasts here. Uh, we got Disney Dish uh, with Lentesta. We got Marvelous Disney with Aaron Adams. Also, uh, looking at Lucasfilm with Brian Gone. And now that uh, Obi Wan is finally over, I think we're going to record a new show on that stuff. But that's another show, and this show is coming to a close. So, thanks for listening, folks. And Drew and I will be back with more animation news next week.